invite all the children of the congregation to come up and gonna have a little children's sermon. Come on, don't hesitate. If you think you should come, you're probably one of the ones that should come. Wait a minute, am I a kid? Yeah, you're a kid. <laughs> if you ask that question, you're definitely a kid. Wonderful. Our Lord has a title. Do you know what that title is? Jesus. Finish, finish the sentence, please. Jesus Christ. Does anybody know what that word means? We know his name is Jesus and he's called Jesus Christ. What is Christ? Does anybody know? Goodness. Okay. What do you think? The adults in my Sunday school class didn't really know this. So you can prove that you know more than the adults. I am the teacher. Yep. Christ comes from the he it's a Greek word, which is translating a Hebrew word called Messiah. Have you ever heard that word? Jesus, the Messiah. What does Messiah mean? Do you know? What what language is Messiah? close. Hebrew. Yeah. And so Jesus's title is Jesus, the Messiah or Jesus Christ and Christ and Messiah means anointed one. Back in the Old Testament, they used to pour oil on really important people. Would you want to get oil poured on your head if you were important? There was three really important jobs in the Old Testament, prophet, priest and king. Does anybody know what a prophet does? Yeah, he teaches the word of God. He goes in front of the people and he proclaims the word of God. He reveals God's will. How about a priest? What does a priest do? He te- they do teach. Very good. They teach too. Yeah, they make sacrifices in the temple, right? You read in the Old Testament, the priests would make sacrifices to the Lord on behalf of the people. The people would bring animals and they would instruct them on how to offer sacrifices. What about the king? What did the king do? Yeah, he ruled over God's people or really all people because all people back then had a king. And so we have these three jobs and they're all really important. Prophet, priest and king. And in Israel, they all would be anointed with oil. And this was to show that these people were set apart by God to do this job. It was kind of like their orientation to the job. Right. When they were uh, ordained to do these jobs, they would anoint their head with oil and it would show that they're anointed ones. They're little messiahs. But Jesus is a little different because he does all three jobs at once. So he is not just a Christ. He's the Christ because in him, he's the king, right? He rules over what? Everything, right? All heaven and earth, right? He rules from the right hand of the father. What about priest? How is he a priest? 
Yeah, he, te- he taught a lot of people about the way of God. And he also offered himself on the cross. He's not only a priest, but he was also the sacrifice. For what? For the sins of the world, right? And how about a prophet? How is he a prophet? Yeah, he's the word made flesh. He is God's word incarnate. He came and became human. And in him, the will of God is totally revealed. And so when we know that Jesus is the Christ, he fulfills three jobs. What were they? One. What was it? King. Priest. Prophet. We'll say him again. When Jesus is the Christ, he fulfills three jobs. One, king, prophet, and priest. That's right. And he fulfills these perfectly, right? Just like his father, David, he's a king. But more than David, he's king over everything. And as the priests of the Old Testament, he offers sacrifices. But different from them, he offers himself for sacrifice as a sacrifice for sins. And as the prophet, he's different than all the prophets, even greater than Moses, because he reveals God's will perfectly because he is the word of God. And so I hope you remember today that Jesus's title is what? Jesus the Messiah, which is which is Christ. Right. So remember, this is a title. This isn't his last name. Right. This is what he came to do. He came to save us by taking on the offices of prophet, priest, and king. Very good. Let me pray for you. Dear God, I thank you for these children. I thank you for their willingness to uh, sit at the feet of a lowly servant of yours and to learn a little bit about who you are and what you have come to do. I pray that you would strengthen their faith as they go today. Faith in Jesus Christ, the one who has done all for us and the one that we follow with our lives. And I pray all this in his name. Amen. You're dismissed. Let's pray. Blessed Lord, who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today... We heard at the center of our reading, the gospel reading, a question. There's a question posed to the disciples of Jesus. And not only is it at the center of our reading today, it's really at the center of Matthew's gospel. It happens at the crucial point where Jesus turns his face towards Jerusalem, towards the cross. And this question pops up at the center of the life of Jesus. And not only that, it's really at the center of all of Scripture because it concerns the identity of Jesus himself. For he asks his disciples, who do you say that I am?
And more than it's more than being posed only to the apostles, this question is posed to all of us today. In our hearing, we have heard our Lord ask us a question. Who do you say that I am? As the apostles answered this question about who the others said Jesus was, they gave a litany of options. Some say he's John the Baptist. and Some say Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Good options, but are they correct? Is Jesus truly the Elijah to come? Is he John the Baptist resurrected or is he something more? And to get to this, he asks his disciples again, who do you say that I am? Jesus is getting at the heart of the faith because our faith is put not in a set of principles, but rather in a person who rather than what is the central question of Christianity of really all our lives. Who do you trust? Who is Jesus? Is he another prophet of old that has come to, yes, speak God's word, but that alone? Or is he another so-called Messiah come to try to set up the kingdom of Israel only for it to fall apart yet again? Or is Jesus something more? Is he more than just another of God's servants whom served Israel throughout the Old Testament? Is he one of the other prophets of old or is he something more? And Simon Peter answers this question boldly. He says to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This is the confession of our faith. For our faith is not in a set of principles. It's not in a set of teachings, but rather our faith is put in a person. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We don't believe just in a creator, but rather we believe in the creator who has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and has primarily revealed himself to the world in the person of Jesus Christ. For he is the Son of the living God. We do not follow dead principles or dead teachings, but rather we serve the living God. And Peter knows that all the titles mentioned before were insufficient for who Christ is, for who Jesus is and what he has come to do. For he confesses, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And as I explained to our little ones, the Christ is a term pregnant with meaning. The more you dig into it, the more you realize how special Jesus is. Because he did not just come only to do one of the three offices. Rather, in himself, he fulfilled all three anointed offices of the Old Testament. He reveals the will of God, both in his life, but also in his death and resurrection. He reveals God's love to us. 
that he created the world and is redeeming the world in Jesus Christ. And he was sent as a priest, not only as a priest, but also the sacrifice itself. He offered himself once bodily upon the cross so that we might come with confidence before the throne of his grace. No other priest can claim that. No other prophet can claim to be the word become flesh. And no other king can claim to rule over heaven and on earth. There are some that may say, I rule over all of earth, but none can claim that they rule over heaven and earth. And it's in Christ that God's rule is totally realized because in him, the fullness of deity dwells bodily. God is on his throne. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and intercedes on our behalf and rules over all creation. And in these few words of Peter, he claims, he proclaims, he confesses the fact that Jesus is the Christ. And not just any Christ, he is the Son of the living God. And this is the confession of the faith. This is our confession. But Peter makes it his own. Peter speaks up as he always does and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And at this confession, Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for it's in confessing the name of Jesus Christ that one is blessed. For we cannot bless ourselves. God is the one who blesses us. And here Jesus Christ blesses Peter by saying, you have confessed rightly. Blessed are you because on this rock, on you, Peter, I will build my church. And I love in our Old Testament reading how Isaiah says, look to the rock from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham. And look to Sarah. It's an interesting turn because we would think that he's speaking of God in this sense. And he is by pointing to Abraham and Sarah. He's pointing to their faith in the rock who is their salvation. The one who said that they will have a son in their old age and they believed and it was counted to them as righteousness. And it's in the person of Abraham and Sarah that all the nations would be blessed. Not only Peter, but all who confess the name of the son of Abraham, the son of David, who took on flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. And not only that, has he has ascended upon the cross for our sake, was crucified, died and was buried and raised again on the third day. This is the person in whom we have put our trust. Like Abraham and like Peter, we put our trust in the rock of our salvation. For no matter how important one is, whether you're an Abraham, a Peter, or anyone else, your importance comes from faith. For it's in Christ that all names get their significance. I love the 1662 Book of Common Prayers Catechism. Unlike any other catechism, it begins with a simple question. What is your name? And this is a peculiar, pe- peculiar Christian idea that in 
Christ, our individual existence gains meaning. For it's in Christ, it's in the confession of Christ that Peter gains significance. Jesus promises upon you, Peter, I will build my church. Don't get it wrong. Peter did not build the church. Christ built the church with Peter. For Peter would one day preach to Jew and Gentile alike the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many would come to faith through his confession. It's through him that both Jew and Gentile come to know the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Peter confesses the name which is above all names. And in confessing this, Jesus promises that the gates of hell will never prevail against it. For this, above all things, is true, that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the only Son of the living God, that in Him all the offices of the Anointed One are fulfilled and brought to completion, because in Him they can only be brought to completion. He is the perfect mediator between God and man. He is Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the only son of the father. And this Jesus Christ tells Peter, because you have confessed rightly on this rock, I will build my church. Only an almighty God can use imperfect people to do his perfect work. Jesus gives Peter a place. It's Jesus who places Peter as the rock on which the church will be built. And the church is the temple of the living God, which Christ is the cornerstone, the one which all other rocks get their significance, the rock which we are hewn from in faith. The rock which Abraham was hewn from and Peter was hewn from. And in faith, you and I are hewn from. For God uses his people to accomplish his work because he is almighty. He can do anything that he sets his mind to do. And this is the person who Peter places his faith Peter looks to Jesus as the author and finisher of his faith. He believes, as Abraham did, and it is counted to him as righteousness. In this moment, the rock becomes my rock. For Peter makes his faith his own. He says, you are the Christ. He confesses with his mouth and believes in his heart, and he is saved. And in in the faith, in faith in Jesus Christ, all our names, not only Peter's name, but each one of us, all our names gain their significance. For while our faith concerns the the who, God cares about the who. God cares about you and I. He came to die for you and I, not just for mankind generally, but for all people. He came so that we might have life 
and have it more abundantly. He is the son of the living God. And it's the God whom we call my rock and my redeemer in the words of the psalmist. He is the one who then says, you shall be my people and I will be your God. For God has consigned all to disobedience, as Paul says in Romans chapter 11, so that he might have mercy on all. It's clear that no one, Peter or Abraham or anyone else, has a standing before God in any other way than through faith. All are disobedient to God. All are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. But by faith in the name of Jesus Christ, we are made to be sons and daughters of the Most High. He makes a covenant with us through his own blood. This is the covenant that I will make with them, says the Lord. I will remember their sins no more. And it's this covenant, this new covenant, which Jesus inaugurates by his sacrifice on the cross that we celebrate weekly. We look and we remember with our heart and mind and body the very act by which God has said, you shall be my people and I will be your God. We look upon the mercy of God and the elements of bread and wine. We look at the prophet, priest, and king, the only mediator between God and man made for us to be bread and wine by faith. We believe, and so it is. And when we have faith in the name of Jesus Christ, Scripture is clear that we are saved. We have nothing other than faith. We have to do nothing other than believe in the name of the Son of God, the Son of the living God. And it's by faith you are made his child. You are hewn from the rock, your rock and my rock, and made to be a child of God. You shall be my people, says the Lord, and I will be your God. And it's in the confession of Peter that we see that all is required of us is to believe in God and his word. For God, for Jesus says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. For the new covenant that he makes with us in his blood is an eternal covenant. It's a covenant that is beyond heaven and earth. Rather, it rules over heaven and earth, for we are found in him. He is our God. And we are his people by faith. And so I urge you with the words of the prophet Isaiah, look to the rock. Look to the rock from which you are hewn. You who desire righteousness, look to the righteous one in faith. Look to him for all that you are and all that you have and praise him for who he is. For Paul says after Elaborating so much on the theology of God, he has to end in doxology. He says, oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For when we realize what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, all we can do is praise his name. 
All we have left to do is to believe in him and praise him for what he has done. For we are children of God by faith. And when we confess the name of Jesus Christ, that he is all and in all and through all, we are saved. We are his own forever. Let's pray. Grant, we beseech the almighty God that the words which we have heard this day with our outward ears may through thy grace be so grafted inwardly in our hearts that they may bring forth in us the fruit of good living to the honor and praise of thy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.